Hey everyone, we're back. And uh, we have been waiting a long time for this one, uh, mainly due to the three of us having scheduling. You know, it's always, uh, you know, when the, when the stars align kind of thing. Um, so the topic that we want to talk about today is anorexia, which also um, some people call anorexia, but you know, in some ways it's also just purely restricting. So, you know, I just want to offer that in case that you're, you don't identify with the word anorexia, that's fine, but maybe you relate to this this restricting voice or the restrictor voice. And so I want to start with that um, as a, as a opening for you. And, uh, and then where we're going to go, we, we just chatted right before I hit record. And I think uh, I've got uh, Stacy with me and Maddie with me, and we're going to start with just talking about why, we want to have this conversation and, and then we're just going to roll with it and see where it goes. So, uh, I don't, Maddie, would you like to start? <laughs> sure. Hi, thanks for having us, Nicole. And, um, yeah, it, I think we're all really excited about this and, uh, what will come out of this. Um, I, uh, at this point, I, I definitely identify as an anorexic and uh, bulimic who has found recovery in the rooms of OA. But when I got here, I don't think I understood that. I definitely didn't identify in that way. Um, and there were several months of uh going to meetings um even doing step work um and not really uh finding recovery in the rooms of OA because um I didn't understand what my core problem was um and so for me it took a real um um like the the bottom that i hit was a dietitian telling me um i had a uh, some serious health complications from uh restricting and then it was like this light bulb went off and i had enough familiarity with recovery at that point to realize that um, I had always been on the anorexic or polemic spectrum. But I think the reason why it was hard for me to understand is it was always the cycle, right? Like I'd restrict and restrict until I couldn't restrict anymore or just gave in. Um, and then I'd overeat. So I thought, well, and then I overcompensate. I got, or not even that, just like, you know, eat uh, in one setting. <laughs> so felt like my problem was compulsive overeating. Um, 
am very grateful that I found recovery in that. Um, I could kind of go on about that journey, but I'm excited to hear from everyone else. Stacey, you want to? Yeah, I'm also really excited to be here. It feels like it's been a long time coming, this conversation. Um, yeah, I relate to a lot of what Maddie already said, um, the cycle, sort of, you know, thinking about restriction as part of a cycle. And I really know very few people who can purely restrict. I mean, it does happen, um, but it's usually part of a cycle. Um, so I just identify with that. And also the idea of a spectrum kind of moving around in this spectrum or continuum of types of eating. Yeah. And for me, um, when I got to the rooms, I was in a overeating phase of the disease. Um, so it was really, you know, looking to release extra weight I was carrying, you know, was dealing with like binging as a regular behavior. But I see now there was still always a restriction mindset that was operating even within that behavior. So it took me a while to learn in the rooms like, okay, yeah, I'm a compulsive overeater and compulsive eating is definitely happening. But I think it took, you know, probably several years to realize like, it was still always through the lens. I was always judging and viewing myself through the lens of restriction, even if I was you know, just doing a lot of overeating and binging. Um, and I realized also through step work and work with a sponsor that I carried around this kind of shameful identity of the failed anorexic because I had been anorexic. That was actually the first manifestation of the disease for me was anorexia in my early teens. And not being able to continue that more like pure restriction, right? What would be considered in the anorexia mind, like successful anorexia. Um, and the cycle then turning to binging um, and different forms of bulimia. So I'd internalized though, that sense of failure around that, um, that was very connected to the overeating part of the disease for me. And so then when, you know, many years into this program and with a lot of recovery, um, anorexia returned for me in like a new kind of a new way, but also an old familiar way, you know, when I was around 40 years old and that was very confusing. Um, there was yeah a lot of denial around, well, I'm in my forties, you know, this is a teenager's disease or, you know, just a lot of those kinds of stereotypical associations, even though I knew that was not true and had plenty of other evidence that people could be anorexic at every age. So yeah, that was that I had to work my recovery in a new way. Um, and that's what precipitated um, reading the Anorexics and Bulimics Anonymous book. Because yes, I was working with Nicole, and we were kind of like, what do we need to do here? You know, OA, of course, has wonderful tools, but they don't speak directly to anorexia and restriction extensively um you know it's woven into like all the different sort of forms of eating and food behaviors can take it, it will be mentioned you know along with bulimia and binging and all that but we needed more of a like we really need to focus on like what is this anorexia all about and restriction and that book and i thought i already knew a lot about anorexia i learned so much um so much more about that aspect of the disease, why I was doing what I was doing at this particular time, and I like why it had come back up. Um, so I'm very grateful for that literature. Um, yeah, I did find in 
the rooms, I know there's a specific, um, I think it's anorexia and bulimic, bulimia meeting, but I was never able to make it to that meeting. And I think there was just one really with that focus that I remember. Um, this was like pre pandemic. Um, so yeah, it did feel like there's not much focus within the overall umbrella of OA, you know, on that part of the disease. And sometimes sharing in meetings, I, I wasn't sure how to share, you know, about it. Um, I wasn't sure if anyone else related to what I was going through at that time. So that can feel a little bit isolating and, you know, everybody has their own experience for whatever, you know, reason they're having it at the time. But yeah, there were times I would be the only person in the room identifying as anorexic or, you know, restrictor. So I think it's important to have some of these conversations just about those particular aspects of the disease. Yeah. That's, um, I don't have anything wise to say uh, in response to that other than I'm just people who can't see. I'm just really nodding along that um, I just want to, before I get into why I'm into this, that, uh, you know, for people who don't know, you know, I was Stacy's sponsor during this. And I think you really captured like, what do we do? And using our, you know, 12 step experiences and many programs and going like, okay, we need a church of me too. Where can I find a church of me too? And then thankfully, um, I, one of my litter mates went to Milestone, which is in Florida, and then an old sponsee went there and ABA is very popular there because there are so many retreat centers. So then that's how I even knew that it existed. And, um, and so we were able to read that to, together. My invest, my personal investment is uh, kind of similarly, I came in as a compulsive overeater, I gained 60 pounds in junior high. I needed to, you know, desexualize my body and take up a lot of space so that, you know, I could, you know, in my mind, I could physically defend myself against an average size man. My dad weighed 185, I weighed 185. And I remember at some point in my career in OA, looking back, and remembering the times that, you know, and again, as a, you know, I think my top weight was maybe 200, maybe 205, you know, you get to that. I'm, it's very common for some of us once, once we get to a certain size, we stop weighing ourselves. Um, so I do remember there were times where I couldn't understand why I was overweight because I'm like, God, I, I barely eat anything. And and at the time, I didn't obviously get it. But then when I had time in a way, I was like, oh, that started to be my first identification with the concept of bulimia. And for me, the concept of bulimia was that um, you do something, you binge, and now you need to do something to try to undo the binge. When I thought bulimia was just purging, I didn't relate. When I thought bulimia was laxatives, I didn't relate. I'm like, I didn't do those things. But again, the more 
time in OA and the more I started understanding the mindset and the mechanics behind having disordered eating, I was like, oh, that's what I did. Because, and I just want to pause on this one a little bit, dilate for just a little bit, because, you know, I had to do my food history and I had to do like, it was a step assignment to look back and do all of this. And it's like, okay, how is it that I slowly kept gaining weight and then stopped gaining once I got to 185, 190? How did I manage to not just keep going up? Like that became like, that didn't make sense to me. I'm like, especially listening to everyone else. And it was by looking back and remembering those days where I was like, God, I hardly eat anything. Why am I like a one X? Oh, that's what I was doing. You know, oftentimes it was, you know, being on some sort of diet during the week, you know, and then the weekend was a free for all, you know? So again, just this idea of under eating and then overeating. And then the idea of under eating so I could overeat or overeating, freaking out about it and then under eating. And then even there was a time period where I worked at the recreational sports facility on campus. And I remember the um, binging and then I'm gonna do two workouts today or I'm gonna double my workout today. So this idea of, um, you know, oh, okay, getting rid of it, that it's not binging, purging. It's not binging laxatives, it's binging, getting rid of it. And then there are these ways, exercise, purging, laxatives, restricting, that you can, quote, get rid of it. Um, where I'm at today is I'm at a weight that I... Uh, the last time I was here was when I was sick and when I went through my um, uh, my horrible health years. And I honestly never expected to be here again. Not And I'm not like in a bad place. I mean, like I'm 53. I menopause, everything. I was like, I went up a size and I was just like, this is... So that's why I never expected to be, I didn't know my body could do this is what I'm saying, like between my metabolism and everything like that. And, and so I'm still in my healthy range. However, um, it was bringing up thoughts uh, and feelings around restricting and really like being like, okay, Nick, because I just went through this with you, Stacy, I was like, and that it revisited you, right? Like that it was like not done and dusted. I was like, Nick, don't be so arrogant that you think that this can't happen for you. And, and I was like, okay. And so Maddie, Stacy, like we started a restrictors group because I felt like I couldn't talk about this in the rooms. I just felt like it just, you know, it, it, I just felt like I couldn't like, oh, I'm losing so much weight. Oh, poor me. Like it just didn't feel safe for me. And, um, and also because very few anorexics are in the room, 
I needed someone, I needed to go to a place where people could hear what I was saying in the church of me too. And so that we started a, a, a group text and then I was like, hey, let's talk about this because we, we can't be the only one. So that's kind of um, my motivation. That's why I'm here. Um, maybe as a, seg a segue or something like, and again, like uh, feel free to co-host with me if you guys have any ideas, but what is it that you would like, you know, I do these for new newcomers, you know what I mean? I do these or for people, we do this for our people, you know, Maddie, is there anything that you you know, as a place to start would want to sort of make sure gets said. Yeah, and I, I, I thank you, Nicole. And I'm just uh, reflecting on what you both have said. And I'm uh, grateful to be here having this conversation. Um, and I was thinking about when I had the realizations that I did, um, it really was, we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, for me, it was important to get outside help. Um, and uh, I'll mention that A and B meeting, um, I did go. Um, it was a phone meeting during the pandemic. And that was part of where I started to find some familiarity with this. Um, I think one of the things that I want to respond to um, is I think it would be helpful if we did normalize that kind of talk in the room of OA. Um, one of the things that I have struggled in recent months um, uh, uh, is uh, since I've found abstinence from my anorexia and bulimia is as part of that recovery, I had to gain weight. Um, and, you know, if I think about the size that I'm at now, um, it's very uncomfortable and it feels like I'm a person who's, not in recovery <laughs> because it's it, it feels like more the other end of the spectrum um and that's really because like you know it's it was hard for me to talk about gaining weight as um a means of recovering um the uh so outside help was really helpful my um dietitian had a good program um i think that that can be helpful um but it's interesting that we don't talk about these things as much in the rooms of oa because i think our literature is pretty open that like you know we're people of a range of compulsive eating there's diversity there and um you know our symptoms vary so um 
so yeah, I, I think that's one of the reasons I'm excited we're doing this. Um, and if anyone can relate, I encourage them to just um, to lean into the ways that they can relate and maybe not try to overthink it because that was part of what I got hung up on when I was figuring out what was going on with me. Chase? Um, yeah, I, I think I hear a lot in what Maddie's saying. What's true in my experience is like having to trust the process of it. And that's true for, you know, any type of recovery. Um, but yeah, particularly with restriction and anorexia, especially if you've been in the world of like, you know, trying to release weight and, you know, not eat at certain times or eat certain things and all of that um, to then, yeah, say like, oh, part of my recovery now is to eat a certain amount. And yeah, Nicole knows like part of my recovery with hers, like she started weighing me and that was actually our agreement. So Nicole said, this was like the ultimatum that really helped me. It's like, you need to start gaining weight or you're going to have to go see a professional, like go see, you know, starting with a dietitian or a nutritionist. And I really did not want to have to do that. And it's wonderful. You know, I'm saying like, those are wonderful people and wonderful tools. I just had so much resistance to doing that at that time that that motivated me to then take some actions, you know, that I was capable of just on my own. And for Nicole to say, yeah, I'm, and I'm going to track your weight and you're not going to know what it is. And that's the first time I had ever done that in my life. Um, that was another piece that I realized for me was like, even in the overeating phase of the disease and, you know, wanting to lose weight, I usually knew what my weight was, you know, I was usually like checking it. It was always kind of like, you know, knowledge about like what needed to be done about my body so to then release that knowledge you know to release that control that was a radical step for me to really trust like that my body would do what she needed to do um and it was very very difficult in the beginning um and i just you know was the acting as if in that at that time like okay this is what i'm i'm trusting is best for me right now, you know, is most loving. Um, and it was like one of those, you know, 51% of the healthy me was like, yes. And then 49% was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, the restrictor was like, I do not like this at all, but just going with that 51%. Um, and that has gradually changed, you know, over the past few years, um, where, and I too, this is why, it's such a miracle that Nicole is my sponsor because I went through my own chronic illness journey. I'm still you know, on my way out of that where eating was actually a struggle. That became a new thing that I'd never actually dealt with it in that particular way before where I had to force myself to eat. And this was different than any other kind of version of restriction. There was usually, you know, intentionality about it. This where it felt like the choice had been taken away. And I was having such health issues that I, I had to actually force myself to eat um, for a pretty long period there. And 
to have, yeah, at least one medical professional say like, you should not be losing any more weight. Like this will be a problem if you lose any more at this point. So just all of that going on. Um, and then to be gradually regaining my health and for part of that process to be um, basically seeing how anorexia could not be a part of my life at all if I were to recover from this chronic illness. Like it truly had to go. Like the breakup really had to happen for real. And knowing that was going to be gradual, of course, but like to get to that place of intention to say, yeah, I can see, I, I can really see now how this will slowly kill me if I don't do something different. Um, and that's been a big part of my chronic illness recovery is this has happened on every level, um, trusting my body through, it's been going through a lot of different phases and I can tell my weight's been fluctuating through a lot of this and just trusting like it's my, she, my body, she's going to find where she needs to go. And if there's changes al along the way, I have to, you know, let go of trying to control that from one day to the next, one week to the next, one month to the next and true. And just to really develop that deep trust in my body that has been, yeah, that has been a, a surprising turn for me as far as the way that I've, you know, had to confront anorexia and restriction, but a beautiful one, I can say at this point, because of where I am now. Beautiful. I want to, there's Stacy. there's something I want to go back to, but I actually want to go back to something with Maddie. Can you, um, maybe Maddie, you said, um, you said, uh, in the beginning, the things you got hung up on, can you, can you unpack that for us a little bit? Like what, what are you referring to? Yeah, uh, it actually, um, and I also want to uh, respond a little bit to what you said, Stacy. but um, uh, to relate to that, to me it was um, this sort of idea of um, how could I um be struggling in those kinds of ways because society tells us <laughs> you know we we look at certain sides and i uh, i know a lot of people come to oa because um uh you know that's a that just creates a lot of shame because they never fit in that box. Right. And so like, and I, I related to that, but one of the things that was difficult for me is, um, I started to like the way I looked, um, more than any other time in my life while I was in the rooms of OA so it's really easy for me to confuse that with um you mean you mean recovery. you like yourself thin yeah yeah you know i would look at myself in the mirror not knowing i had body dysmorphia so i would see <laughs> um uh a, a, you know a version of myself i always wanted to be 
which is the uh, super the super thin version right okay and, yeah you know and then i i had a very similar um moment and i had kind of alluded to this previously um uh with the dietitian even though like um uh i'm not diagnosed with uh a chronic illness it was a very similar place it was like you know um i was getting weighed at the dietitian's office and not um uh and, it, you know, not knowing what the weight was, but um, being told that um, I had already developed some conditions I'd probably deal with my whole life because of that cycle of restriction always being a part of my uh, compulsive eating. Um and, uh, you know, basically being told that I couldn't afford to lose any weight. Um, and, um, you know, it was funny because I was working with a sponsor. I was uh, doing the meetings and then, like, I just had to hear it from, I had to get to enough of a bottom that it was really obvious. But my sponsor had been telling me that all the time. Um, you know, she would tell me that, uh, in subtle ways that I was probably losing too much weight and she and other people around me were concerned, but I just like would, uh, disregard that because I'd be like, what do you mean? I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm in recovery. I'm not overeating. What's the problem? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think it, it's because we don't talk about it enough. And I think to make matters worse, that's kind of the, that's a messaging we get from society and everything else, um, is that, um, particularly people who present in feminine ways, have to fit in a certain size that doesn't take up too much space. Um, so I'll um, end with this. For me, it, it really was radical self-acceptance um, in that concept because, like, you know, the recovery that I've had since then um has involved like loving a version of myself that's bigger than i want to be yeah the willingness what and i i i love touching on this the the willingness that i'm not going to correct what i eat i'm not i'm I'm willing and for different reasons and I want to, but I want to circle back to Stacy for a second. I, you know, I also had that experience of, I have to be willing to gain weight for my recovery um, and let people see it. 
you know, uh, Stace, I wanted to get back to, um, well, let me interrupt myself. I want to do a little bit of a footnote. So earlier, Stacy mentioned an A and B meeting. And so uh, just for our audience, uh, what Stacy is referring to is that in our area, there in, in Overeaters Anonymous, we know of one meeting with an anorexic and bulimic focus. So it's an OA meeting with an uh, anorexic bulimic focus. And the reason why I want to clarify that is because then there's also ABA meetings, which are based on the, on the Anorexics and Bulimics Anonymous program, which comes out of Canada and happens to have a huge uh, population of meetings in Florida because so many treatment centers are there. So I just want to do a little bit of a footnote on that. Stacey, what I wanted to circle back around to was um, maybe uh, the experience, because it, it's kind of related to the Maddie. It's like, what are what are you willing to do? Um, and who are you willing, whose brain are you willing to trust? Was uh, that uh, your husband and I, you thought you were fine. And you thought, why don't you talk about that experience? Yes. Um, yeah. And I, to set a little context, this came up for me, you know, I'd had two kids. I was done having kids. Um, I had my second child at 39. So I'm like, you know, going into my forties, you know, and my body's adjusting as it does after you have kids and after you finish breastfeeding and all that. And, you know, some of those things just adjust depending on the situation where it's like, Oh, I'm releasing some extra weight. Okay. Oh, and then just getting really busy with two kids and having some anxiety come up just related to all that. And, oh, that's affecting my appetite. Okay. Oh, I'm releasing more weight. Okay. And then feeling some with all of the chaos that this life with two kids involved, like, oh, I like the sense of control that I'm, I'm getting here. I like this high that I'm getting, you know, I'm sleep deprived. I'm stressed. Ooh, I can get this adrenaline high that I realize is happening when I'm starting to eat less and less, you know, I'm starting to, I get to wear new clothes. I've had to wear, you know, maternity clothes for, if you add up the, the months of that for like, plus, you know, when you're wearing nursing bras and all that, that's at least a couple of years of my life. So getting to wear like, Oh, I can wear like cute clothes again and sort of, uh, reclaiming my identity, you know, around that I've always loved clothes and fashion and things like that. So yeah, having some fun with that and anorexia being like, oh yeah, here's like, here's our opening, you know? Um, and along with what Maddie's already talked about with like our society and what it rewards. Um, and that was a new piece for me, you know, aging. So this sort of second iteration of anorexia, now that I'm in my forties and I see clear signs of aging on my body, I have, you know, clear postpartum signs on my body. I've got some like loose skin on my stomach. I've got, you know, just the you know, evidence of carrying and nursing children and, and to feel like, oh, I want a sense of control because I'm powerless over all of that. Right. I'm powerless over now, you know, aging is the next, um, taboo that I'm facing that our society, you know, does not allow. So how do I find some control within that um, and find a way to still be an attractive woman, right? So all of that's also going at the same time. Um, yeah, so this continues and more of the 
anorexia behaviors had taken hold and escalated. And it was to the point where it had switched from kind of, kind of I gave an example of this in a meeting where it was kind of, it was circumstantial in the beginning where it'd be things like a chaotic dinner with kids, you know, one's a baby, one's a toddler, or someone drops their food all over the floor and people start screaming, you know, the kids start screaming and maybe adults sometimes. And, you know, the dinner's just like, this is over, okay. And I had only like half my dinner, you know, left the rest of the plate and just moved on into the rest of the evening. It's like, forgot about it. Didn't even want to like go back and eat it. That happens a handful of times. And then it's like, oh, I like how that feels that like I only ate half my dinner and then starting to get deliberate about it. And then that starting to seep into other meals and other behaviors and not sitting down while I'm eating because I'm such a busy mom, you know, so I'm standing up and eating breakfast and now I'm standing up and eating lunch, you know, so it just kept escalating. So this had gone on for, you know, that probably took like a couple of years to kind of build uh, very gradually. And yeah, my husband had said something at one point, I think before Nicole said something to me, you know, just like, you know, you're looking pretty thin these days. And I'm just like, oh, no, I'm not. You know, it's like, what does he know? I also had a friend, a pretty good friend of ours, say something around that time or like maybe a couple months later. Like, wow, you're you're looking actually like you've lost too much weight. I think it was the way she said it. You know, it was in a loving way. She's like, you just look like, yeah, you, you've lost too much weight. No, I'm fine. Also, again, what does she know? She doesn't know what my body's supposed to look like. You know, also that like my weight range could fit depending on the chart you look at, right? It could fit within what are considered healthy guidelines. So there's all of that that can fuck with your mind too. So, and then I think my husband had said something again, like a few months later. Also, we had visited family, his family over the holidays. And I got many comments from family members. Wow, you're you're looking really thin, you know? And of course, part of me really liked that. That was like also a sign, like, oh yeah, how many more people can say that to me? You know, there was some of that going on. So yeah, by the time Nicole, you know, talked to me about it, it still at that point was what do they know? And when Nicole said something that started to shift things a little bit, you know, this is my sponsor. This is a beloved in recovery. So there was like a little bit of a door opening there, but still only a little bit at that point. You know, it took some time, I think, for the rest of that to sink in that despite all of the like positive feedback I was getting, um, another thing that was before this, I got some pants tailored because they were getting loose on me and I still liked these pants. I just didn't want a new one. So I went and got them tailored. I got all these compliments from the woman, you know, doing the tailoring. She's like, oh, great. You lost weight. Good job. You know, that's always a goal in our society that everyone's trying to lose weight at all times, right? As much as possible. And yeah, so all that's happening at the same time. So there were some, I'd say that was earlier on though, compliments from people who didn't know me, I think only. And then people in my life, loved ones, as this continued, who are starting to say like, I, I'm noticing some things that are concerning, but my uh, initial response to be was to brush that off. I just want to um, uh, clumsily add something here uh, to give a little bit of, of like my perspective context. 
Uh, so I, you know, I started 12 step and or recovery in 93, but I didn't come in. OA was not my first program. And I came in in 98 and I came in overweight. Uh, and a few years, it took a few years before I went to, uh, this is in San Francisco. I went to an inner group meeting and I'll never forget this. And this is, this is very important to, to what, uh, to my experiences now is that I went to the intergroup meeting and the intergroup chair was a woman and she had come in really large. And when I saw her, she looked emaciated. And I mean, like she was that kind of thin where the veins, you know, and you could see the muscle definition and she was lauded as a success story. And I was like, and I don't know if everyone felt that, but that was how she was occupying her space, you know, and, and especially it's not so prevalent now, but back in the day, you always had photos that you would pass around as part of your story. It was very much a like, here's how much I weighed when I came in, here's how much I weighed now. And that really had an impact on me because I remember like looking at her and everyone's like, it's everything's fine. And I remember thinking, are we not going to say anything like in a confused kind of way? Like is are, what? And then, so there's that. Now I was new in program and it was new and I just didn't know. And so, but I've never forgotten that. And I've never forgotten. Like if I saw her today, I would fucking say something, you know? And so there's that experience. And then that's, so this all leads to me with Stacy. And then when I went through, when I went through my health crisis and all of a sudden I lost interest in food. It was because we had one anorexic in our meeting who shared. And again, up until then, I was just like, oh, okay. But thank God for her, because when I went through this period of my life being blown up and health and losing interest in food, I called her and I had her to talk to. So that's the sort of second thing. And she sort of, you know, and again, my phase of that was maybe eight months, you know, and there was, you know, being in love with someone completely unavailable. It was just a real crazy time. And I want to get back to this and I want to start with you, Maddie, is basically similar, similarly, my life was fucking out of control. I didn't feel like I had control over anything. And so I lost my appetite, quote unquote, but it was again, this like, no, no more, no more with the food saying no. Now, before we get to that question, Maddie, what I want to say is, you know, at this time, I was, my sponsees were coming over very regularly. So literally, like Stacy was coming over, I don't know if it was week to week at that point, or we kind of went week to week, then we went bi-weekly. And so I am watching this, right? This weight loss. I was fine. You know what I mean? Like, she had, you know, baby weight to lose. That's fine. And she comes in one time and, and I'm like, oh, you look great. I don't say anything because we don't say anything. 
Then she comes in again and I'm like, oh, she's still losing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And then Stacy, you came in <clears throat> and you had the really sharp cheekbones and you had the dark circles under your eyes. And I was like, no, no. And because of that experience of Rachel in the rooms, I was like, I'm saying something, you know, I'm saying something. And to Stacy's credit, at the time, she kind of pushed back on it a little bit. Like, you know, I think you're overreacting. And I'm like, okay, you're crazy. And you made the mistake of telling me that your fucking husband said something. So you got your husband and your sponsor. So who do you think is crazy in this situation? And to Stacy's credit, she did not believe us, but she took the action. So um, kind of going back then, I mean, absolutely, Maddie, anything Stacey said, all right, if there's anything I want to respond to, but then also this idea that I really want to segue into is that in a way we talk about, you know, powerless over food, right? What I, what Stacy and I, when we read the ABA book is they say powerless over the need to control. So you want to sort of speak to whatever there? Manny? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so much to respond to, but um, that's a good segue because uh, I think like many of us, I, I um, uh, qualify for multiple programs and some of that has to do with growing up in a chaotic household and environment. Um, and food really always was, uh, something that felt safe to control, right? And once I started to find recovery around this, I realized, like, um, I was always eating compulsively in some kind of way. Um, and, uh, you know, the moment when I realized I really needed care um, was not the only season in my life of um, anorexia. Um, and the thing that you mentioned about um, the eyes and the cheekbones, like that was one of the things that was pointed out to me that I realized like how how intense it was and it was really just like it took months of people subtly and not so subtly telling me these signs of things um but you know uh it was always mixed signals because even at my lowest weight you know, even when people were expressing concern, um, I would still see somebody I hadn't seen in a while, and they'd be like, uh, who wasn't in OA recovery, um, who would say, oh, you look great. And I remember one conversation, somebody was like, wow, uh, 
you need to tell me what what diet you're doing so <laughs> it's it's with exercise you know and i think it just like mumbled something about eating re recovery around food but uh you know not really getting into it but it, to me it, it really is about control and i've noticed that the times in my life that feel the most chaotic are the times that I'm most vulnerable to take control back in that kind of way. Yeah. Um, and I think uh one of the other things but I'll say um since we were talking a little bit about other fellowships um a pretty unrelated fellowship that I'm in has a concept of anorexia that means something different but I also identify in and in that one there's uh one of the characteristics that we identify is um of needing to be in that recovery is confusing anorexia with a sign of recovery. Um, and as soon as I heard that, it registered on multiple levels, registered in the context they were talking about, but definitely in this context. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Um, we can even have a visible function and service and not realize that we're restricting or overcompensating. Stace? Yes, uh, there's so much there I'm thinking about. Um, so I just was reminded of, this was at the last OA convention that was in Portland. So that was like few months before the pandemic. I think that was like October 2019, somewhere around that. And that was like a couple months, I think maybe before Nicole, you talked to me. So definitely like on my way, like already in that restriction zone, um, in that escalation period. And I spoke, I did like a brief little like step eight workshop or something at that convention. And I ran into someone who I knew from program, um, who I hadn't seen for a while. And they, they had, you know, body had changed since I had last seen them. And that was one of the first things they said to me was almost like an apology for their body being bigger. There was like some like explanation and like they hadn't been, I think in the rooms and, you know, they'd been experiencing some relapse or, you know, something going on in their recovery. But it was just really interesting. I was just observing this and this person that it felt like they had this real need to tell me that, you know, rather than just like, oh, hey, how are you? And us just talking. That was one of the first things that they were clearly making a point to say. And it just made me think about, again, like the culture of OA. And when I think about where OA started, I know it's evolved since then. But, you know, very much like a diet club where it's like the only thing that's different is that you talk about spirituality, but where it's like very much, you know, 
losing weight is the goal. Uh, getting a smaller body is the goal. Showing pictures and showing that progression, right, is the goal. And, and at, at one point, um, OA considered bulimia and anorexia an outside issue. Right. So, yeah, it's just making me reflect on this conversation with this person where I, I see that as like an influence of some of the kind of original OA, right? Because maybe they saw me as like, oh, well, look at her. She's clearly lost weight and she's like a success story in OA or whatever they might have thought. But they're just seeing that I would have fit the classic sort of definition of success story in OA. Meanwhile, anorexia is going on and taking hold. Um, yeah, so it's just, it makes me think about like, we need to be really aware of in the rooms. And I, I have seen more evolution, like really with every year um, that this sort of expanded idea of what recovery even looks like and what it is. And so grateful for that. But I think it's still in the in the water or in the air, you know, whatever, um, in a way. And we have to be careful with that um, to assume, you know, yeah, that someone's get someone's body getting smaller is a sign of a successful recovery. It's much more complicated than that. And of course, we've got the, you know, influence of our sick society over all of that, where it's like, oh, are we all trying to get the goal is the smaller body because we will be more accepted and rewarded in society. I mean, we have to look at like, what is the goal of the weight loss or of the smaller body, right? Or if we say it's quote unquote health, and that can be used in a really, I think, broad and destructive way. It's like, oh, I'm just getting healthier. So yeah, it just makes me think about the, the kind of complicated nature of what that looks like um, and how yeah, and the thing about control, right, where it definitely came up for me the first time in my life. I I had changed schools a few times, and then my family moved across the country, which was, of course, you know, a huge upheaval, and I changed schools a few times after that, so there was all of this chaos and uncertainty and change, and that's when it really took root for me, and then again, you know, after having kids and just chaos and uncertainty and change, and then the it was already going and then the pandemic comes around so that's just like was like gas to the the flame um yeah so seeing it definitely connected to control and and then one line that always stands out to me from the aba book that just blew my mind when i first read it that it's like really the illusion of control that we're trying to get because we truly do not have control if we really look at what it actually is what we can truly control in this life we control very little. And so it's, we're addicted even to just the illusion of control. And I remember in the beginning, first reading that I was like, yeah, and I don't care. I want that illusion. Like I still wanted it at that time, you know, like <laughs> I'll take illusion. Like, yeah. I need it. And now I've, you know, my, my mindset has changed around that, but yeah, I also see it. So it's all about control and this illusion of control. And it's also about power, you know, that, it's it was implicit uh in both iterations for me but it's like i want access to power and how do you get power in this society well it looks like the power the people who have power are thin women right and there's a specific type of like what that kind of femininity looks like you know for female identifying people um and to make yourself adjacent to the true power which is mostly held by men and i could go on about that but it's like, how do I fit that profile of what power looks like and how power is rewarded? 
I guess I'm going to do this in order to get there. So that's a whole factor as well. So I think what I would like to do, because there's just, I don't want to rush this. And there's so much that I can, that I feel like I want us to, to talk about. So how about Maddie, we just sort of, you know, anything that based on what Stacy just said, and then we're going to do a part two, because I've got shit that I want to cover that we haven't even touched. And then also maybe, you know, any listeners, if there's anything you want us to talk about next time, you know, uh, message me and and we will. So, you know, uh, Maddie, anything you want to say today uh, in response to what's all that Stacy just said, knowing that we will do a part two. <laughs> I, so much, but I would respond to one of the things that I'll say is uh, for me, so I don't think I mentioned this, uh, the bottom that I had where I realized that sort of um, confrontation, realizing how serious my anorexia got in um, was during the pandemic. Um, and I think for a lot of us, that was the need, and I think this is like the common thread that probably anybody in recovery can relate to. Um, you know, I think a lot of people felt like everything was so out of control, like we were looking for a way to control. And to me, it really went into this like obsessing i was already on that trajectory but then a couple of months of um isolation and um my restriction was really um very seriously running the show um and so you know i think the thing that comes up for me there is um and it's true in my other areas of recovery as well but like um um connection and staying present is so important um if I'm too isolated i'm going to take control back probably in problematic ways um yeah and there's a lot to unpack there but i'll i'll close on okay yeah i'm definitely going to be making a little list of things that i would love us to you know uh touch on um you know again for our listeners we we knew that we wanted to talk about this we didn't really have any sort of structure we just sort of started with why do we want to talk about this? How is this relevant? Um, and then again, through through us actually doing it, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this. I want to. Talk. And again, I I really uh, don't want to rush us. And so, yeah, we'll uh, call this part one, and we'll definitely uh, we will we promise to be back. So if there's anything you want us to talk about. Um, like I said earlier, please uh, let us know. But for now, thank you for listening. And believe me, we, we love you more than you probably 